fellow Brappingtonians, and welcome to Brapp Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler of Asphalt and Rubber, and joining me on this two-wheeled adventure is the skinny man sitting across from me on the couch, Mr. Shaheen Avandi! I mean, I'm basically a little waif right now. You're just wasting away before Looking my very eyes. Wasting away right here. Y'all, I've lost 10 pounds. Doing the work. I like it. Doing the work. Looking good. You know, it's not a diet. It's a lifestyle. Oh, Jesus. You got to uh, want it. You got to, <laughs> you know, you just got to. Throw in like three more CrossFit and vegan references <laughs> and you're good. You got to get up in the morning and put the work in. You got to. What is the CrossFit thing they do? Workout of the day. Wad. You got to do the wads every day. You got to eat all the, the you complex your, carbohydrates. You got your macros figured out. Got to figure out your micro macros. I don't you, know what you that Have you doing. looked into the difference between soy and whey protein? Oh, God. Um, I'm just eating less. That's, that's, that's like kind instead of, of the secret, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, instead of eating the entire burrito <laughs> that weighs about as much as my left leg, I ate half of it today. Mm, Proud good, of myself. Good for or you. when we go to the bodega and those sandwiches are really made for two people, but we eat the whole thing. <laughs> I've been working on eating only half a sandwich. That's good. We should go to the bodega after this show and just split a, a chopped cheese. Chopped cheese. No pickles. Because what better way to end your night no than mustard. a cheesy, greasy fucking sandwich? No, I got I got, I got, got a nice little bolognese I made I in the saw fridge. I opened the fridge to get myself some water. It was eyeballing it. I don't want to brag. It's pretty good. You're Not a, that like a bolognese is hard to make. Like, let's just be honest. I know, but here's the, here's the thing with things like bolognese and, and uh, chili and any of the Iranian stews. Any sort of a stew uh, meal, it requires patience. It's all about mm -hmm. the slow cook. No, yeah, I slow cooked it. Yeah, if you slow, slow cook, cook it, that sauce. Everything gets together and it gets perfect. And that's why bolognese and chilies and stuff like that taste better the next day. It's had a chance to sit there and think about itself. A little Parmesan, a little garlic. Fuck's sake. Use turkey because I'm, I'm trying to eat a little healthier. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah, I've been eating way less red meat, which yeah. I miss it a lot. Yeah. I'm a steak guy. Yeah. Mouth watering thinking about it. Uh, if our listeners can't tell, it is. 2022 hey it's the new year. year we got the resolutions oh, happy no, no, happy new year uh, no we don't do that shit i kind of do we're grown-ups we're grown-ups jensen grown-ass men i believe in santa i don't have resolutions i have goals yeah there you go i, I have like goals that. it's an adult version of resolution yeah it is it is kind of the adult version of a new year's resolution so like i said it's not a diet it's a <laughs> Can't sit without cracking up. <laughs> um, new Year's resolutions aside, today or not today, but over the course of the break, okay, a very significant event happened. Go on. You bought him a new motorcycle. I did. Tell our audience I the disappointment to... that I have in my voice right now. No, hold on. Hashtag Team Man made a funny. So. We talked about this. I was, I've, I still want a Street Fighter. Y'all don't just sit down. Don't panic. Everybody calm your tits collectively or don't. Um, I almost bought a Street Fighter. Like, I mean, like literally walk into the office to sign for the damn thing in my own shop. And then this fucking monster, like mint monster 1200R black, black on black on black shows up to the office. I was like, well, shit, always wanted the monster since 1993. And uh, maybe I'll do this thing. And I paid way the hell less than a Street Fighter for it. And this was the, this was the thing. It kind of like pushed it to that upper echelon of, okay, I'd rather have this thing for the price of it. I figure I'll at least get it out of my system for the next year or so and then move on to a Street Fighter anyways. But now I get to say I've done the monster thing and I'm happy that I can say that. 
Um, so I am now the proud owner of a very, very clean Monster 1200R, which up until my ownership had never seen rain. That is my favorite thing to do, by the way. When I buy a motorcycle from someone, they're like, this has never seen rain. I'm like, baptize it. <laughs> yeah, let me go. Let me go teach it about the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> so I bought it like the day before Christmas. And then on Christmas Day, as we all know, the weather just turned to hell here for a week. I don't know. I wasn't here. Oh, yeah, you were gone. I missed the whole snow capades. <laughs> so anybody great. that lives in the Pacific Northwest, basically right after Christmas Day, it was like snow, which is not really a thing we get here up until like usually February. Even um, even in like I, what I've been here what seven years I think it snowed four years yeah like four this, times and everybody that lives here knows especially in the Portland area when it snows it's like like a day or two of okay there's white stuff down and it's gone uh, so as luck has it it snowed basically the first week of me owning this motorcycle but Christmas Day I took it out for a ride a twenty like nine degree ride uh, did about I don't know twenty miles on it put some gas in the thing. I'm not good at, good at wheeling. I think you're better at wheeling than I am, and you're self not very not, good, not very good at wheeling. Yeah, so that shows you where I'm at. I tried to wheelie it and it just slipped the rear tire a bunch. I'm like, all right, it's just too, <laughs> yeah. cold. It's too cold for this shit. So brought it home on the way home. It just started pouring on me. I'm like, this is cold and wet now. I'm gonna go ahead and park this thing, and then uh, rode it again a little bit later. It is it is a like it just you want to get in trouble on this bike. It's the closest thing I've ridden to a 1098 Street Fighter, where it's like, let's be stupid. All the time. Let's just do dumb things. So I'm excited to have it. It is a beefy little thing. I've I haven't ridden a big bore V twin like this in a while. So it's a fun little torquey machine that makes all kinds of noise. The person who had it before me did the exhaust on it, so it just makes all kinds of loud, rum, uh, loud rumbly noises. I feel like you've ridden those bikes before. Am I wrong? The monsters. The monster R. The monster R. I've ridden. The Monster R on the track, Monster S, track and street. Uh, I don't think I did the base model. It's interesting to me that Ducati made a Monster R. It, it's almost like they just kind of did it for the fuck of it. I don't know what the purpose of that bike was because I'm, I'm sort of an old school guy that I think the R bikes, especially in the super bike segment, are a racing homologation bike. So there's no real purpose to this thing. But it's a cool bike. And I remember when it first came out, Ducati had all these posters of it on the track. And it's like, all right, I don't know if I'm going to like be on PIR doing 180 miles an hour down the front straight on this thing. It's a naked bike. Uh, in fact, I hit triple digits once or twice this last week when I rode it. And it's like, ah, it's a naked. I don't really want to be sustaining that kind of speed for any period of time. So I, I don't know. Cool bike. It seems like a weird little anomaly in the monster world. And I think that's why I like it because it just, to me, it doesn't, there's no reason for it, which makes it extra cool to me. I just remember you telling me and just being like, I just remember you looking so uncomfortable when I was telling you about it. You looked so sad. I just, I was just like, I was rooting for a different outcome, but yeah, you know, hey, it'll bike, still happen. It'll new still bike happen. day is a great day. It is a great day. Bless you on your blessed day. May the Braps <laughs> be with you. May the gods of Brap look upon thee with many wheelies and sendits. May the dry clutch in the sky welcome you with its <laughs> open goodness. May the clickety-clack of the brap world bless yeah. you with its desmodronic valves. Yeah. Um, I'm happy about it. I like it. I'm sure in a year or so when I'm ready to do the Street Fighter thing, this thing will go to another very happy home. But I'm going to enjoy it for a little while. Do some fun rides with it. Take it to the coast. Do our fossil ride. Cool. Hell yeah. <laughs> maybe learn how to wheelie maybe learn how to wheelie was it ever too late? i will say like out of the the monster 1200s especially when that bike came out that was the bike 
the the S and the base model were no, they were so like garbage, but like they were too watered down. Well, yeah, they'd gone from like the 1100 Evo, which was a real slim, cool, fun bike, to like this. Remember when the first 1200 came out? It had this like really big rear end on there. Like the seat area was really wide, it was and it's big, sat too and low. it didn't have good ground clearance. No, it was it like a just, cruiser, basically. It was just weird. It was way more roadstery, and I even consider this a roadster still. The R model. Oh yeah, it's taller. It's got more ground clearance. It definitely looks like it's got the chops for sure. That brings us up to an interesting question because okay. one of the listeners sent us an email over the break. Ooh. Uh, Dave. Okay. Who is six foot five. Dave's a big boy. And he has a Street Fighter 848. Yeah. And I read this and I'm like, dang, Dave, how do you ride the Street Fighter 848? Like, that's got a really sculpted. And I was like, Graham, is that you? Right. <laughs> Uh, another of our, our friends who yeah, is my, quite my tall. Yeah, my apparel guys, he's how tall is he? You think he's 6'3", six, 6'4"? Six, he's taller than me. I'm 6'2", so he's at least 6'3". At least. And he rides a Street Fighter 848. Yeah. And he hasn't changed anything ergonomically on there. He just rides it. Yeah. And that's what Dave was kind of asking. And I thought about Graham when, when he said it. He's like, you know, I want to do a few track days a year. Yep. Do you think this would be a good fit? Monster 1200 versus Street Fighter 848. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean. It's gonna be more comfortable. Yeah, way more. It depends what twelve hundred though, because like like I just said, yes. like those. I forget what year. What year is your bike? So mine's a sixteen, and which was the the R was that we didn't know this at the time, but the predecessor to the next generation twelve hundred, right? That took its form, right? So that's what I'm saying. Is like a better, quote unquote, better bike because it has like the quick shift and all that shit on it. There's a tipping point with the Monster twelve hundred. Two thousand eighteen. That is that what it is? Yep. Okay. Anything over two eight. 2018 i i can kind of get behind huh? me too that pre-2018 it's got to be an r otherwise those other bikes like i'm not gonna say they're garbage they weren't bad they just they weren't just like weren't raw. good yeah they were watered down they felt like soft. and it's funny to say they felt soft because it's still 150 horsepower twin right yeah but it felt soft i remember i got to ride the monster 1200 lineup at laguna and i forget what year that was it was a pirelli track day it was after world superbike hmm and I remember like riding the S and being like, like you could barely get down the corkscrew and with any sort of speed because of the clearance. <laughs> it's just hard parts hitting. Yeah, you're just scraping everything. And then going on the R and being like, why didn't you do that? Because I came back in the Ducati <laughs> guy. I forget who the PR person was or if it was Jason Chinook, the the Ducati uh, North America CEO or someone. Someone asked me like, you know, what did you think between the two? And I was like, all the bikes should be the R bike. All of them. Like figure out what you got to do trim level wise, suspension, wheels, exhaust and, and all that. You. And the next year they came out with it. And I wouldn't, I'm not taking responsibility for that. I'm sure they got a lot of similar feedback where like the R is good. The S again, like that thing with like motorcycles that hold you back from fun. Right. That's like the only cardinal sin. I feel like a motorcycle can make the S and the base model held you back from fun. And the R was like, oh yeah, you can get over. You can lean like 45 degrees or whatever it is. It was like, they were trying to make a monster 1200 for everybody. And so they made it a little bit lower, a little bit, a little bit softer, a little bit, you know, more approachable. It's like, eh, but it's called a monster. It's those, those monster 1200s were the platypus of the Ducati <laughs> lineup. The joke being like, what is a platypus? It's an animal made by committee. You know, like, yeah. oh, give it a duck bill, give it a flippers, give it a beaver tail, make, have it little spines on its leg. Like <laughs> what the fuck were you guys trying to achieve here? Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. If you're going to buy a monster 1200, I would definitely go 2018 and newer. And you can still get those at a pretty damn decent price. Mm -hmm. um, well, that's a good bike. That's. I think I want to say the R was like 162 horsepower and yeah. the other models were like 155 ish. Something like that, yeah. 
gets you going. That's what you need. It definitely gets you going. And the S models still have the all ins. And yeah, then those 18 yeah, and yours yeah. have quick shift up and down on them. It's just a more, it's a more complete package. Everything's better. It's Everything's just, better. it's better. It's got a more slim body line on there. The tank looks better. And I personally know two dudes that are in the 636 to 65 range that ride those without any problems. So your recommendation, Monster 1200 over S, Street Fighter uh, 848. If if I mean if you want a Street Fighter, then you got to get a <laughs> get a Street Fighter. See what you just did there. Here's um, here's the problem in my mind. He said Street Fighter 848. Yeah, which like for me is a Goldilocks bike. Like that bike does a lot of things. It does so really much really good. Well. Yeah. If he said 1098, it'd be like oh, Monster 1200. It's funny if somebody if anytime somebody asks me, hey, what do you think about me getting Street Fighter 1080? I'm like, how how good of a rider are you? How bad of a time do you want to have? Like, how much work do you want to do? Because <laughs> if you want to do a lot of work, you should totally get that bike. That bike's going to make you work. Uh, love Whereas, that bike, though. Don't get me wrong. I own one. I, I love that bike. I still, every it time I see your bike. It is not a beginner's bike. Nope. Every time I see your bike, I pet it. I talk to it. I enjoy the week. You let me borrow it. I love that bike dearly. But I remember when you let me borrow it, you talked to me like I just started riding. You're like, remember, no traction, no ABS. I'm like, yeah, motherfucker, I sell these. <laughs> just, I'm just like... It had like that should be a disclaimer. Like you have to tick the box before you start it every fucking time because it it is that is a bike that's at that especially because I have the base model right. That is a bike that is in this weird nexus of intersection of super bike engine powers. We're getting beyond the point that like I would say is good for the street and normal riders yeah. can ride. Yeah. But the electronics hadn't really caught up. Not even yet. close. <laughs> and like the bike has no electronics on it. So you're just kind of left in this like good luck. Every time you fire it up, you talk nicely to it, you pat yeah. it. You remind it that you're its friend. You're yeah. gonna feed it later. And the A four eight, it's not quite as raw and crazy. It actually works. You can actually go fast. It's actually a fun track bike. The eight forty eight lineup was one of my favorite superbikes, anyways. Yeah, and because of all those things you just said, like it was just this perfect little, just a well behaved machine. And when they did the Street Fighter eight forty eight, I initially scoffed when they did. It. I'm like, they're watering this down. What a bunch of the. And then I wrote, it, I'm like, okay, this actually makes way more sense. Way better this bike. Is such a better bike. I hated that press. I was like, oh, this is a way better bike than what I have in my garage. <laughs> it's cheaper too. It looks good in black. But he already has an eight forty eight Street Fighter. Yeah. So. If I was going to change motorcycles, yeah, I could see him going from that to a, a newer Monster 1200S. And it's going to have more punch. Yep. It's going to be a little bit, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, an upgrade. One suggestion, I think the Monster, and I've ridden a couple that, that have been done this way. I think the Monster 1200S, the one thing it's missing is the forge wheels that I have on the R. Mm -hmm. That makes a massive difference really on that does. motorcycle. So if you get one, think about, putting some money aside and changing the wheels. I, I think you can get some OZ wheels for like two grand or 2,500 bucks for the set. You can probably find some Ducati yeah, Forge exactly. wheels on eBay and save 100%. a little bit of coin. Yeah. Dealerships like mine always have them. We always take them in on like treaded on like for people that want to get fancier wheels for their bikes. We always have them. We sell them for way less money. So you can do that for like 1,500 bucks for a brand new set of, you know, Forge uh, Marchesinis. I think that's a great buy. Yeah. That's a great idea. If you can do that, that changes that bike so much for the better. I just got excited. See? Yeah. And that's 1200 S 2018 or newer. Mm -hmm. Get Forge the forged wheels. wheels. Yep. You'll be happy, man. Game changer. You'll be happy, man, Dave. Such a good bike. You're going to do all the wheelies. You're going to do all the nutty things. Yeah. And on the track, it'd be a great bike. I mean, again, like I have my 999 for the track and I think it's a, it's an, I mean, it's a track 
only bike. Am I going to put the monster in the track? Probably just to see what it's all about. But I think the, my triple nine would be a better machine for it. But like Dave said, he's only going to do it three or four times a year. So that's a perfect machine for that. I think he's going to have a really good time. Yeah. I also, agree. I wonder where he is. What track is he going to be on? Left that out. Uh, I might have where he is, but he didn't say what, what track and what, what group level he's at. Like, I feel like the monster would be more at home on a more technical track where you can kind of toss it back and forth a lot. It's not a long, fast. It's not a PIR bike. That's right. for sure. Like I would have fun. The Ridge. The, the Ridge. Yeah. I think it'd be great on that. You know, but that that's the other thing. The pre 2018s would suck at the ridge. Right. Yeah. You were just coming up and down the hill, the elevations. Yeah. It would suck. Yeah. So. Now, Dave, if you can find a real clean 1200 R, <laughs> actually, still stop get by the, stop by Shaheen's house because he needs to buy yeah, a Street right. Fighter. Oh, I'm not selling it. I just bought it. <laughs> so team hashtag team man. No, I'm already I'm already on the like. Okay, let's move this along. <laughs> can we just you, go and sell this? You got it. It's done. You wrote. Did you write it? You wrote it once. Wrote okay, it. good. Right, get please. it out. Get it out. Get it no, out. But hold on. I haven't powder coated the wheels gold oh, yet. Jesus. Just give me a minute. <laughs> it's probably happening soon. Mm, really you're gonna do that? it look good in gold it look really good with the black bike with the black oh, yeah. they look good um hashtag team man the comedian that she is i took a picture of the bike sent it to her and i was like deal's done because we talked about it a little bit and she wrote hey i named your bike nos hmm? nas i'm like cool what does that mean she wrote as in not a street fighter <laughs> i was like oh you got jokes huh <laughs> uh, yeah. all right proud of you for knowing which one the bike is <laughs> yeah i'm with ann i'm on team ann's team <laughs> so that's the bike's name nas not a street fighter and then later on she saw it at home she's like okay it's pretty nasty so nas is for nasty i'm like no 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 your first name is <laughs> your first name's proper no take backs nasty if you don't <laughs> um but, 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 but i also put a new bike in the garage uh say more right now what it's uh it's a red bike it's uh it's Ducati Panigale V4 R. I uh, saw it. It's hard to ride. It's quite small. <laughs> I mean, it depends. On I had your to build size. it myself. Don't be sizest. It, it, it's it's actually smaller than Kota Kitty. No, I ended up with it actually uh, is smaller than Kota Kitty. Uh, uh, Alex France, the Ducati PR guy, blessed me with a um uh lego set of the panigale v4 so that's a lego R. technic like a line, lego technic yeah which is for i think like i think on the box it says like ages ten, 14 and up or something 10 and up 10 and up oh okay. yeah um i really like the lego technic lineup they've been a handful too. of motorcycles and cars they're a little bit spendier but these guys are i think like retail like 70 bucks or something yeah which is interesting because the bmw one's like 250 or 240 I think more parts to it i think if you look at the lego box they charge you essentially per piece it's almost like three times as many yeah <laughs> um i just finished building mine this last weekend and i didn't realize you'd built yours too i'm like yeah. oh, look we both did the same thing that's awesome yeah it took me like half a day especially after i like screwed something up and then like had to disassemble oh, like I did that too 50 of it and be like that's what that little fucker is and then re-put it back together <laughs> i thought i'd done the whole thing properly and then I see there, it's like on the on the right side, you're supposed to attach a piece to another piece. And I'm looking at the picture and I'm looking at my bike, which is just the frame and engine at this point. I'm like, that piece is not there. Why is that piece not there? So I go back 30 pages. I'm like, ah, I missed that one part. <laughs> so I took the entire thing apart. I like cracked it in half and uh, built that piece and put it together and put it back together. I'm like, all right, we're good. This is fine. <laughs> but I did the whole thing. I timed it. I did it like in four hours. Oh, wow. But clearly I missed a step. Hey, um, who's judging? Does that it roll? Being, dude, I feel like, and I, I told my master tech that I'm like, hey, I built this thing. I'm basically a master tech and I like to put the engine together. It's got little pistons that go up and down. Um, 
If you have the patience and you like Legos, I think that is one of the coolest things ever. It's a cool gift. I want to get the BMW one now too because yeah. it's like, oh, that was fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, and it's impressive just from like the the level of detail. Like it, it has a gearbox right. and it has a first and a second and a neutral. And it's, yeah, it's a working neutral. <laughs> uh, and the pistons move obviously. And it it's it's impressive like what lego did with with this kit and i'll be curious to see what they did with the bmw one i'm sure knowing it's that even it has more impressive even more parts and detail and all that stuff i am um, um, i really dig them a lot i i it so a dear friend bought me the it's a nasa kit it's a two-piece separate kit for the apollo team mm. And I think collectively together, they're like almost 4,000 pieces. Oh, wow. And this that's the one that actually says ages 14 and up on there. And I'm like, all right. So once I finished the Panigale, I'm like, all right, I'm ready for this fucking Apollo piece. Because it's been in my house for like almost a year now. And I've just been like, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to, like, I realize when I open this, I can't just walk away from it. I have to like wake up in the morning, make myself breakfast, and then open this thing. And then start building it. That was the thing. Like I started like nine o'clock, ten o'clock at night, and then I got like to like, oh man, I'm kind of tired. And then I was like, I can't trust Coda Kitty with these no, parts. No, it's a little trick. <laughs> I gotta, like, I gotta finish it. Yeah, poop it out later. You're like ah, that's where that was. Little asshole. I gotta finish this thing. I was up until like two. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I love that you started yours at night. This shows you what kind of person you're. Like, all right, it's nine o'clock. I'm gonna start this project. I was procrastinating hard. Uh, <laughs> I, I I apologize to all readers. I took like ten days off. It was awesome you know you need a little vacation time. i did i got the i got the podcast done on the on the flight home nice um as i got what i had like four flights canceled yeah you were there an extra 24 uh, hours 48 48 shit yeah i almost got stuck in salt lake uh, on top of already getting stuck in the bay area which was great getting stuck in the bay area because i got to see more time with mom and the, and the lady mm -hmm. but um yeah it's the the flight canceling it was actually seattle's weather that was my biggest problem it's funny to me that you so. have to go from the Bay Area north to Seattle, south to Portland. I fly Delta, and Delta yeah. doesn't have a Portland to Bay Area <laughs> rude, direct. Rude. Well, I shouldn't say that. They'll fly to like San Francisco or do they? I don't even know. I usually yeah. go through Seattle. Such is life. Such um, is life. Sell V. I did put another bike in the garage, though. Wait, really? Just not my garage. We got uh, Ducati uh, left the Pikes Peak V4 as a kind of a longer term loan. Okay, what do we do down to get in California? I don't know. Um, I feel like you need to get in your forerunner. Just drive down south. Say hi to mom again. Yeah. Get Maybe the trailer. Maybe spend a little more time with the lady friend. One way ticket. drive back here. Uh, yeah, we need to figure that. That bike. So I got to do a second ride with it. Um, did we talk about this? I don't think we did. No, because I, I, haven't, I haven't been back yet. No. Um, I think we just talked about talking about it. Yeah, because I sure. picked you up from the airport. That's right. That's right. Shaheen Uber. Shaheen Uber came through strong. I appreciate it. Um, got to do a second ride with it. Um, again, a really cold, wet ride. <laughs> uh, we actually came up across uh, a car like that it had spun out and hit a tree like 30 seconds before we came around that turn. That's nutty. And had to deal with that. Thankfully, everyone's okay. Looking at that accident, that could have that the the best outcome possible of what could have happened. Like is nobody what got hurt or dead for that matter. Someone easily could have died. Like yeah. that thing was a tree saved a tree hit the car in just the right way that it didn't kill anyone in the like inside caught, the car. It caught the car essentially, and then caught the car from falling down like a thirty foot ravine into a creek where they probably would have at least gotten Oof. pretty banged up. So um, best case scenario there. Glad they they were okay. 
go on you know, like and right before that had happened like i felt the rear wheel like scoot out <laughs> and i was like oh wow the road's a little wet like gotta be we'll, we'll careful with the, getting a little traction control going here i should probably be careful um so like again like not quite the ride i wanted to have but we got to put the bike through its paces it is very nimble and that was the thing i was looking for the most was seeing how nimble it was compared to the v4s right and and the 17 inch wheel does make a difference well especially forged wheels forged wheels the tire profile it is a light bike on its feet it's got all the accoutrement that you would want the fromage is very tasty <laughs> um i don't know what that accent was but it's fine Actually, took, Russian actually took French. I should know how to do a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of that like caricature one. We <laughs> <laughs> oui, we oui, monsieur. Uh, our love is like a red red rose, <laughs> and I am a little phony. Um, it's just I, I love the bike. Like I, I love the fact that I get to to ride it more when I'm down there and, right. and kind of hold on to it longer because like they're gonna claw that out of my you know cold dead hands basically, <laughs> but. It the the thing that I come back to the disappointment is you got to spend thirty grand to get to that that fun and I still wish there was something cheaper because it's 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 the uh, continuation of the multi strata as the multi strata was originally envisioned right and now the multi strata has kind of gone and done something else and like I don't think you give up too much with the V4s with the nineteen inch wheel they've done a really good job with that. So I'm not going to like die on that hill, but there is something about 17s. Like it, it is better. Is it like night and day? No, but it is better. And then your tire choices are so much better. Hold on. Let's clarify. It is better for street. For street. Yeah. For street. Absolutely. And if you're a diehard street only person who wants a bike like this, I think it's a better option. And I agree with you. It's It's a little bit of a bummer that you have to then commit to a $29,000 motorcycle essentially. And if you want the bags, if you want the heated grips, if you want the heated seats, those are all extra options on this bike. The, uh, what was it? The train package is 1400 bucks and well worth the money. Absolutely. Um, Cause that gives you bags, center stand, heated grips, I believe. I think heated grips, maybe the seats too. I think that's part of the, that would be money. That's good. That's a good price. That's, that's just how it should be. That just shouldn't even be an option. That should yep. just be how it is. The thing that's interesting for me on that bike, that is not a touring bike. That bike is not comfortable for more than two hours. Really? That bike there's not a lot of wind protection it's not it's a little buzzy uh that is a super bike with a lot of fairing that is what that bike is See, i i still i mean don't get me wrong i love that bike if i was in the market for a street only touring style sport bike that and i had the money for it i would be like fuck yeah i want that it's a beautiful bike it's sexy it does all the things but like to me it would have been like a little bit the money would made even more sense if it had the same engine as a street fighter in it yes they've gotten away from the grand yes. turismo motor and gone yes. to that motor that I agree bike would you, have stood out on its own 100 if you put the street fighter motor in there instead of the grand turismo that brings it up to like 200 horsepower right. or whatever it is totally justified in your twenty nine thousand dollar price tag that's the miss that's because, the miss and then beautiful part you have that that's your thirty thousand dollar bike fuck it don't make it 20. I make it 30. I'm yeah, fine. I'm fine it, with that. Totally yeah, fine with that. 30 even. And then bring out your 17-inch wheel, Gran Turismo Motor 1 that's 
23 grand or whatever yeah. seven grand cheaper i don't know how you fit it in there but make it like lower 20s mid whatever 20s. then you could have called the multistrata r and gotten away with it I mean, like, there's not even a there's not even a class for this i like it and that's your multistrata gt or whatever that's i don't know i know we said this before i still think that would have okay. been amazing it's, it's still okay. a cool bike it's okay it's okay still a cool bike still liked it a lot uh would not fault anyone for wanting to put one in their garage if you make that kind of money and can make those kind of choices like live your best life go put one of those things in your yeah garage. We're, we're not going to tell you not to buy that bike it, it, is, it is an incredible amount of fun book. um i really enjoyed it get it to portland i would like to write it please i will see what i can do it's i don't have a total timeline on when it's supposed to go back so there's a little bit of a worry like they would need it and then it's not in california eh, shipping companies i don't know we'll figure it out we'll figure we it out. out we got a guy um should i'll write it back to the bay area <laughs> <laughs> that's a long ride. That's a mind. long ride on a bike that's not really a fun bike to ride long distance. I bet I'll have fun on it. <laughs> <laughs> you are built differently than I am. I sure am. Uh, I don't know what to talk about today. Like I, I took ten days off, and I guess the rest of the industry did oh, as well. Took ten days off, which is good. The Dakar is going on right now. Um, I don't know. There's not too many headlines to cover other than like Danilo Petrucci is kind of out of it. He's coming to Moto America. For, for this that's season kind of a, that's kind of a thing which is He's pretty only cool doing a season um i i think we'll probably see him do one season and then assess after that so he's just full-on ktm now huh uh no he'll come to the the rumor is that he'll be on a ducati panigale v4r cool with the hsbk uh racing team but he's, that's oh, the rumor the ktm is for dakar that's what he's writing right he's finishing out his his contract with ktm on the dakar which is i think his motor blew up Motor, I, I, or something happened i saw a picture of his bike he had a pretty airlift. big technical the bike got airlifted away he was fine yeah he well he broke his leg during like a, a filming session a media session before the dakar dang and then yeah the bike had a technical uh, issue and had to be he basically got airlifted out as you would in the middle of the desert um so not a great dakar for him give me a favor oh and before that he had covid he tested positive for COVID Dang. like three days before the race and then holy finally holy. got like a negative test right before it started. Oh. <laughs> Allegedly. I, I false have all sorts of conspiracy theories with that, but yeah. Um, talking about Dakar, explain to people, because we just had this conversation at work and somebody at work was like, I don't understand how the whole rolling navigation works in a Dakar bike. Can you do a layman's explanation? Like the road book? Yeah. It's... <laughs> It's like a, it's a scroll. It's yep. a paper. It's literally a physical piece of paper. Um, and writers will go through and mark it up and with color markers and add notes and stuff. But it literally, it's just waypoints. It'll say like in 30 miles, 30 kilometers, five kilometers, turn left at the cactus. And you so are those waypoints done by a pre-runner? Like who's setting that up? Yeah, those are done by um, someone, a part of the organization. So the ASO is the organization that puts on the Dakar. Mm -hmm. uh, to the best of my knowledge, they're the ones that create the road books. It's not like each team has their own road book. It's you're given a road book by the person who set the course. And like Mark Coma, I think was a, uh, he's an ex KTM, one of the winningest Dakar motorcyclists. I think he was a consultant um, for the rally when it was in South America. I don't know if he's still doing it now. I know he's helping KTM riders in the in the bivouac in terms of like mentoring mm -hmm. but like he's been a consultant for it and i think like people like him are the ones that you know they they mark the course they get the road book they get their notes and that becomes the road book so 
and you physically like there's a button that like rolls the top roll to bring up the next thing and you hit your waypoint and you find the next one so does it so it's not attached to your odometer you have to actually roll it yeah you gotta do it yourself no shit uh it was interesting i remember reading an interview with um uh i think it was ricky brayback the the american writer it was either him it was another american might have been cody quinn it was someone that was doing the dakar for the first time and they're saying like you know like part of it's the riding like the thing that you have to learn because it's it's a little different than say how we do it here in the u.s right but a huge part of it is just learning how to do the road book because that's a whole skill set in itself and it's interesting with the way the dakar runs whoever is leading is the first out of the gate so there's kind of a detriment if you're the first because like you're the one that really has to yeah, it's the like road a clean bucks. track there's no tire marks clean tracks whereas like some of the guys following you, especially when it was in the desert and in the dunes and stuff right they have the benefit of seeing where your tracks are now you can get go down the wrong way just like someone else did you still have to mind your road book but it's a lot easier when you have someone to follow right right I'm sure like if you're 15th place or something, you know, you get to see all the tracks. Yeah. And if they all agree together, then you're like, all right, no one's fucked this up. I'm going to keep yeah. going that way, basically. Um, that Can you, I can't even fathom the idea of riding at that level on basically unknown terrain that changes constantly mm-hmm. and having to handle the motorcycle, handle the physical and mental part of that, and then also have enough gumption to be like, oh yeah, I got to press this button. Yeah. And then look at the notes and look at my odometer to make sure that the kilometers and timeline matches what that note that I highlighted says on there. It's crazy. That's insane to me. It's a hard race. It's, it is the most difficult multi-day event in the motorcycle industry, period. No one argues that point. No. Um, Maybe Baja comes close. Baja, Baja is tough. I ain't gonna like. But how long is Baja? Because Dakar is two weeks. Yeah. Dakar is, is two weeks of competition but you have some days off baja is just i want to say like 48 hours i mean it's a thousand miles like yeah. you're how long is that going to take you on a motorcycle baja ain't no joke like i'm not trying to dimin- diminish that at all but it's not the weeks long like just finishing well, i guess finishing both events is quite the event baja's baja's no joke dakar is something more yeah i feel like you do baja to get maybe like exercise for dakar you know, I don't know enough about Baja to really be like, oh, what, this and that. But someone dies in the Dakar just about every year. Um, usually from like crashes and exposure and like heat exhaustion. Like yeah. when they were in South America, they were doing some crazy elevations. They were having, having some crazy heat uh, out in the Saudi Arabian desert. I mean, it's, it's January. It's not going to be like the worst it can be, but it's still like the Arabian desert. Yeah. I think the weather's not t- horrible. I was watching a couple of interviews and they're wearing like hoodies. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be cold at night. Yeah, I mean, absolutely like, at night. But this was like daytime still. There was still sun out. The The fun thing too with the motorcycles is there's a couple um, instances that are called marathon stages hmm. where the teams aren't allowed to help the riders. Oh, so the shit. riders have to do their own maintenance, change their own tires, do their own stuff. Oh, God. Like, so there's an added level there of difficulty. Um, there's some guys that do... Uh, they do it completely without support. I'm blanking on the name of that. Someone's yelling out the radio Wait, right Dakar? now. Wait, Dakar? Yeah. How? You're, you're a nutcase. You're a nutcase. That that just made me think of every Iron Butt rally person to be like, that's neat. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and that's the other part of it, too. Like, people don't understand, like, like a day on the Dakar is, like, Hell. 700. I mean, I got, I'm not as familiar with the Saudi Arabian course this year as I was, like, the South Americans. But it would be, like, 
700 kilometers is like a day. A hundred to 200 of that is the timed special, which is what makes the difference. Right. So you have to like, that's when you're doing 100. Uh-huh. But the rest of it could be on roads. It could be, it could be also on the desert, but it's not timed and it's, you're just moving. You're just trying to get to the next stage basically. And you can still fuck up then. Like if you get lost, there's time penalties. If you exceed the speed limit, wow. you can get a penalty. Like it's not. It's more involved than the Baja because, like, the Baja is like, here's your course, go ride 100, day, I mean, and nighttime. So it gets crazy at night. Oh, yeah. And you're going through some areas that are a little weird. Sometimes there's booby traps. Sometimes it's weird. It's fucking Mexico, man. Like, there's there's no laws there anymore. <laughs> and, like, that's that's what makes that race crazy. But the Dakar, it's like, there's, there's a certain level of precision and order and doing things that is far beyond like how Baja is. Like I remember what was it? Honda got hit with a real doozy of a penalty a year or two ago. And it was because like they like put their bike in the wrong area with like the tape. Like it didn't have enough tape around it. Like it like just trivial, just, just bullshit. But that's what part of rally rate is. It's like you do this, you leave at exactly your time. Right. Not a minute, not a second earlier, not a second later. There's a penalty involved if you do. Wow. You get you have to do the speed limit on the road. You have to hit your waypoints within a certain amount of time. Certain days, certain people can do certain things. Gentleman sport, thank you. It's it's a lot of there's a lot of BS, I guess, around it is what I'm trying to say. That's long, a part of the uh, competition. Like being able to manage the BS. How long has Dakar been going on now? Uh it's a good question. It's funny because like I get times mixed up because I like time has moved on since like 2000. <laughs> I'm like, wow, it's 2022. <laughs> it's like it's probably been going on 70, 80 years now. It's got to be. Yeah. I don't know. Let's look it up. Dakar Rally. It's like it's a while. Uh, 1978 is when it started. So what's that? It's like 40 years. Yeah. Almost 45 years. Uh, 40, 40, uh, 44 years. I feel like it's been going on longer than that. No, inaugural season, 1979. I love the old pictures of the motorcycles because it's like essentially like a BMW GS style motorcycle, these big heavy machines that they rode. Yeah. Like Kajivas and stuff like that. That's what I love like when someone's like, oh, you can't ride a 500 pound, 600 pound bike off road. There they were. Tell that to your grandpa. Yeah. Grandpa was kicking ass and taking aims on that fucking thing. Yeah. Uh, And it's fun because now you look at it, they're all riding 450s and. Well, and that's part of it. Like, it's changed a lot because um, it used to be you could ride 990s and stuff. And it was like KTM was the only one with a bike. And yeah. they, they had to change the rules package a little bit to try and make it more Just fair. Include the other brands. I really think in the next, I was going to say five years, it's got to be less than that. I, I have to believe they're going to put a production class in there. So bikes like like the Tenere 700, like the Desert X, like yeah. the KTM 890 can start competing because like that segment is too popular and there's too much money going on and there's too many units moving for there not to be like some form of production racing for that. Yeah, especially the growth that we've been having and you know witnessing in that segment especially. Mm-hmm. I think that's that would bring a level of excitement that people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Because then you can look at it and say, I have that bike. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence on that same thought that we saw like the Desert X was launched in uh, Dubai. And, right. Like all that stuff was filmed in the UAE. And I remember writing the 
PR guy, and I'm like, all right, when are we going to Dubai? Yeah, like, I'm ready. When is let's, this let's do it. Like, obviously, that's where we're going to launch this bike, right? <laughs> like, let's get her going. So, uh, I love that race. I, I think it's interesting. I hate covering it. It's hard to cover. It is super hard to cover. It's hard to cover in person. It's hard to cover remotely. It's hard. There's not always good communication that comes out of the bivouac. Right. Uh, so it's, we don't cover it on AR. It's interesting. It it seems almost as if they've made this event for the participants. Yeah. I, I don't think the ASO, I mean, they do a good job covering it themselves and you can get daily, like there's like daily videos that they mm-hmm. put out. They do a pretty good job. We had it on at the shop today, just watching the highlight reels yeah. of the first two uh, stages. And yeah. It's amazing. I mean, at one point, anyone that walks past the big screen just stops and is just glued to it for like 10 minutes. I think my criticism is that's a race in a race format that hasn't really pivoted itself for modern media. Like they're doing a good job covering it with the media they have. Mm-hmm. Like It's impressive, actually, how they're able to get daily recap videos done while they're on the road. But it is a hard race to consume in a digital age. Yeah. Which is interesting. I always imagine in a digital age that race should be easier to cover with the advent of, you know, better drones, better cameras, better technology to to broadcast. You would think there would be a more um, efficient way of covering it more wholesome so that people actually get interested and look at it. Everybody views the Dakar as like this... A lot of people don't know about it. You know, talking to people today, they're like, what is this? This is the Baja and was the Dakar. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard of the Dakar. I remember there was like motorcycles back in the day. Oh, it's still a thing. It's still a thing. I think um, I think it's a communication issue in the sense, like a, like a physical communication issue. Like one, you're going to extremely remote places. That's right. the whole purpose of this race. Like let's go the bumfuck middle of Arabia. Yeah, to, if they could race this on the, on Mars, they would. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. <laughs> Once we figure out how to get the bikes there, we'll do it there. At least, or at least the moon. Maybe maybe Something. twenty thirty on the moon. Yeah. Um. We're so you're there. already in like a really remote area where there's no infrastructure and there's there's stuff, and then it's like, it's just hard. Like it's like you got to have like a satellite link, and if your satellite phone or your, a lot of it's probably done over cellular, probably. And if your connection goes out, if there's like I remember there was one stage in South America where like they were everyone was incommunicado for two two days you didn't see a single press release from a single team for two days that's crazy because it was just like yeah we lost the satellite feed or whatever it was the satellite dish broke down so like i kind of get it like it is what it is um for how awesome that race is it should have a bigger following i agree and with that any dad jokes for me we're gonna do a little short version and then another short version yeah because you're leaving in a week aren't you i am i'm going to mexico Speaking of the devil. Hell yeah. Get some sun. You're going to come back tan and skinny, you fucker. Yeah, come back tan and skinny. I'll still be pasty white. I'm trying to to fit my monster R better, man. Oh, man. (laughs) Um, So as per usual. Bye. (laughs) Make good choices. Safety third. (laughs) Tune in next week to find out about last year. (laughs) For more Brap Talk Talks. Talks you out there. Bye. Okay, bye. Make good choices. Uh, does that mean I have to do a, another intro? Yeah. <laughs> um...